record. We are recording. Right. Yeah. I am back again with another podcast. Um, and this time I'm with um, the lovely Rebecca Buckle, who I met whilst volunteering at First Sight. Um, she works there as an art gallery assistant. And um, hopefully I'll be joining her and starting um, that uh, being a, an art gallery assistant myself um, as I applied and I got successfully through um so yeah when it opens again um which will be really exciting um thanks again for being on my podcast um shame we couldn't do it in person but obviously due to the virus we couldn't do it in person but luckily we've discovered zoom this app <laughs> been able to do it through um on um so yeah let's start um Let's start with growing up. Um, who inspired you um, to be arty and creative initially? Um, who um, during your childhood? So um, I was always kind of a show-off kid, um, and I like to do things and um, make things. And when I was um, little my mum worked in um, care homes and she managed a care home so in the summer holidays or in the Easter holidays any other holidays I used to hang around um, with lots of old ladies doing craft activities and we used to make Easter bonnets and Christmas cards and do all of those things so I think even when I was really little I was surrounded by people who were crafty um, my family certainly weren't, but um, all the people around me were. And then I have a bit of a funny relationship with art, which I'm sure we'll go through on the questions. Um, but when I was at school, my first school, um, secondary, my first secondary school, I was in an art, after school art club there. And we were really encouraged to do things and try things out. And um, so my favourite artist, without a doubt, well, with, probably without a doubt, is Salvador Dali. Um, and I was introduced to his work in the Surrealists at, when I was like 11, in, um, in year seven. And it blew my mind. <laughs> and I just thought it was the best thing. And I think everything I've done since kind of comes back to that in a way, to that kind of love of surrealism and and um things that look right but aren't quite right if that makes sense you know sort of slightly subversive kind of art stuff and theater stuff yeah um yeah and um so was it so um were your family created then no <laughs> um my brother, my brother's much older than me. He's nine years older than me. Um, and he was good at art things and creative stuff. Um, but he wasn't around so much when I was a kid. Parents, absolutely not. Um, in any way, shape or form. Um, my, I mean, I have an aunt, an uncle. Uh, my aunt's an artist. When she retired, she became an artist. And my uncle was an art teacher. Um, and, you know, and when I'd go visit them as a child, there would always be kind of arty stuff around. 
but like at home no <laughs> but my mum loves things like things she thinks are pretty so my house was always full of pictures and um see sculptures of things so many pictures yeah frames of artwork yeah i like like cluttery art except for this one in the background that you can see which i need to sort down because a big lorry went past yesterday and all the postcards fell down within the frame so oh, no. i need to take that down and put it back <laughs> up again um but yeah so this is pretty typical of my childhood i think this is what my my house was like we'd have lots of things on the walls and um lots of color going on yeah and what were the artists so you say kind of like surreal artists yeah could you name yes in particular so salvador dali hands up like just love him um and then i suppose maybe slightly cliched but uh i'm a big lover of frida Kahlo. and you can see a cushion behind me look Ooh. Um, uh, i don't know how to get this into the camera I saw an exhibition yeah. of hers, uh, uh, not last year, 2018. Yeah. Um, yeah, me too. Pretty, yeah. Really, really well, beautiful. I... I went with my mum and it was a really sunny day as well. And so we spent some time outside and in the garden bit with the, where the yeah. fountains are. Where the fountains. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, um, yeah, it was a really, really yeah I love her and because because Frida Kahlo had so many kind of health issues um, and was a disabled artist and I identify as a kind of disabled artist too and as a strong feminist and you know I feel this I feel this kind of parallels in my life to Frida Kahlo's life too so um, I love her artwork but I identify with her a lot as a person as well so She's always been really inspirational to me. Um, and I mean, I love, and these all seem, these are, I like some smaller artists too, but like big well-known artists. Um, I love Andy Warhol too. Um, I went through a phase where I was quite obsessed with the like factory era of um, Andy Warhol's work. And I love the idea of this kind of mass produced artwork that where does the line kind of draw between something somebody's kind of spent hours painting and um, something that's been made on a production line by kind of a group of people. I think it's really interesting. Yeah, mechanically um, done. Yeah, and, 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 and just, again, it's that subversive nature of Andy Warhol's work um, of taking um well-known images um and sort of twisting them to make them a, a new new piece that i really like um i like anything that's a little bit i suppose my tastes generally in artwork tend to be a little bit darker sometimes i like things that have a kind of i don't know darker aesthetic to them um but then I also really love the new, the kind of romantic period and um, I love all those kind of pictures of, it's because I was gingy, you see, growing up and I didn't have many like 
beautiful ginger roll mo models. So all of these kind of red-headed women floating in streams and looking out of windows and stuff <laughs> um, that I loved. Yeah. And um, so from artists to your studies, so yeah. did you go straight to university or did you do, um, um, so from going to school, um, yeah. did you go to a college, was there like a college or was it straight, uni straight to university after school? So I went straight to university, but it's been a long-winded path to where I am now. So um, I went to a very academic school and um, artistic kind of tendencies weren't particularly um, kind of, al not allowed, but you know, they weren't what they focused on. So um, I was going to go do a genetics degree that was my original plan um, and I decided I didn't want to do that and um, I did an archaeology degree as my my first degree and um, I just keep going back to university this is my problem um, so I went straight from school to that and um, I didn't do art or drama or anything at school at GCSE um, we didn't have drama at my school and um, I was told in year nine that I couldn't do GCSE art um, because I wouldn't, wasn't good enough. So um, I wasn't allowed to do it. I quite wanted to do it, but I wasn't allowed, um, which is silly, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I just went straight to university and then... Um, what was that like, I, your experience at university? Oh, well, I had great fun, but... Um, I, I mean, so I still really love history, um, and that certainly um, affects my artistic process now, my love of history, um, but I wasn't really ready to go to university, I should have, I, you know, I should have had some time out, and um, the course just wasn't really for me, um, I met some amazing friends who are still my friends, you know, well, I started university 18 years ago, so, you know, nearly 20 years later, they're still still some of my favourite people, um, and I would never take that back. Um, but it wasn't the course for me, um, and it wasn't the time to be at university either. I almost switched to art history, actually, um, in the second year, um, but you needed to have an art A-level in order to switch, and I didn't have that, so, um, so that didn't more, happen. Was it more, um, the highlights were more, like, social-based then? Yes. <laughs> so not on the work. No. I wasn't a very good student either. I didn't go to my classes a lot, um, and my work wasn't very good. But because I didn't want to be on the course, so... You know, it wasn't um, it wasn't really for me, but yeah, definitely social. I had a great time. <laughs> yeah, because I was going to ask what your favourite piece of work was from university, but no. But then, when it comes to my drama degrees, then you know that's very different. So, um, I did my archaeology degree, and then um, I worked for a couple of years, and then I decided that. Um, 
I really felt like I should be doing something more creative with my life and um, I sort of had a toss-up of whether I wanted to go I decided that I needed to go back and do another kind of retrain somewhere and whether I wanted to go into kind of fashion um, and that kind of area or whether I wanted to go into drama and theatre because growing up I'd always done shows and been in theatre groups and you know I really loved that. Um, the I so if I'd done fashion I would have had to do a foundation year which I didn't want to do so I did a drama degree instead and um, actually my favourite piece of work from that is the piece of work that got the lowest mark over the whole um, degree. Um, I created this with two others, this piece of work, which um, was a physical theatre piece. Um, and uh, although it was received well, it didn't fit the marking criteria as well as it should have done. Um, so it didn't get a very high mark. But I loved it. It was my my favourite thing that I ever did. And it was actually then, so we'll come on to um, the kind of dance stuff that I do now. But um, it was like a, a forerunner of that. It was baby steps. It was me being weird on stage for 20 minutes, which is what I love. So, um, yeah. And then I, I did a master's. So the year before last um in theatre practice which has been like a revolutionary change of my whole artistic practice and process and um the 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 thing I loved that is I created a show um about my life and the history of other women um with medical issues uh, who used to get labeled histo with hysteria so it was a combination of my love of history and my love of theatre just kind of smushed together um, and I do want to tour it but then corona's got in the way so um, everything's been put on hold. You, um, you did your a performance piece in Amsterdam didn't you? It didn't happen. Oh it didn't so, happen in the end? No so because we went because of lockdown. Yeah. And the Netherlands went into lockdown just before us. So do you think you're um, yeah, so it's it's the festival has now been rebooked from October the seventh to the ninth. So hopefully, fingers crossed, um, and there's no further major issues, we'll still be able to go and perform. Everyone bar one person um, who was due to perform in March is going to perform again, um, and it's really exciting. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's been nice, but then I've, I've been able to create lots of work under lockdown too, so... Um, yeah, your puppet making you do. Is that, is that like a little side thing alongside your theatre work? Or? Yeah, so um, I just, I love puppets. I always have. I loved yeah. them as a kid. Um, and that came about because I was making... Um, a friend of mine loves the Dark Crystal films. Um and it had just been I'd had a I'd had a bad breakup I was a bit sad and he had been a very good friend and so I wanted to make him a present and I made him a, a little puppet and then um that was the first one I'd ever made you know and then I was like oh I like this uh 
I can do this. So, um, yeah, I, I have made some for, for me um, and I have made others for professional productions. I haven't made any puppets in ages, um, but I'm, I'm working on a new space at the moment. Uh, like a, I've taken over half the garage and I'm building a workbench and stuff so that I can actually um, get back into making them a bit more because they make so much mess because you make them from foam and when you um, carve the foam, there is just bits of foam everywhere. If you use fake fur, that gets everywhere. Yeah. So um, I've been banished to the garage and um, I'm going to start, yeah, I've got some designs on the go at the moment. I'm going to start making some uh, to sell and um, I've made them for my own shows as well. Yeah, um, so I was going to say, you can incorporate them into theatre, can't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I want to actually, so in um, my dance practice, um, I want to start involving more puppetry into that. Um, I've got some interesting, I've got some ideas about how puppets um, can be used. And so uh, in Japanese puppetry, the most kind of common style is bunraku, which is um, like if you've seen War Horse, you know, a puppet that has two or three people moving it and there is a similar style that involves wearing the puppet on the body so like with a headpiece and um and I'm interested in seeing if that could be incorporated into kind of dance practice but they're quite complicated puppets so yeah. um, I'm studying them at the moment and how I would make them and fully articulate them and things um, um we were quite lucky because we did a like before in January, we did um, yeah. the the last unfamiliars, the most recent one anyway, and um, that Gemma Abbott wonderfully organised, and um, on Freaks, and it was at the one yeah. in Colchester, and um, you got to show your kind of what you do in that sense, your advanced piece, didn't you? There, and, yeah. Um, that must have been like a really cool experience um, to show what you do for an art event like Unfamiliars, which is really awesome. Yeah, it was a great evening and um, I was really excited to get involved with the Unfamiliars and hope to do more stuff. I mean, because so what I was doing was Buto dance, which is a Japanese avant garde. Um, dance form it's maybe not the most watchable kind of form of dance it's not like a beautiful ballet where people are leaping across the stage very elegantly um but it really resonates with me and it's it's funny because um things that I end up loving the most I usually hate in the beginning <laughs> so um my kind of journey into Buto really came from my masters and we were doing a module on postmodern theatre and I just had no idea what to do and and how to create anything um, and one of the topics that we had covered was Buto and I had done a lot of physical theatre at undergrad and I had done some kind of Buto workshops at undergrad so I was like oh I kind of know about this thing I'll, I'll do that and 
it was like pulling teeth. Like I, it was just so awful. I had a massive meltdown. Um, I almost dropped out of the course. I was so unhappy and then it kind of clicked and then I was in love with it. And um, the piece that I created for my masters is the piece that I'm doing at the Amsterdam Boutet Festival. And um, yeah, it was really nice to have that performance because uh, Boutet is really underrepresented in the UK, I think. Um, it's quite a young dance form anyway. It, it was only came out of Japan in the late 50s and early 60s. But um, it's well known in Japan and it's quite big in Europe um, especially in Eastern Europe but then the Europeans tend to have more tradition of physical theatre than we do in the UK now um, but yeah so getting to perform at home in the Arts Centre which is a venue that I love oh, so much it's such a lovely venue isn't it I've seen yeah. um, two some friends play there before and when they play there's like all different like colours on the stage. Yeah. It's such a cool um yeah, it's a really cool venue. Um I really hope that, you know, as soon as things are able to be back to normal well, at least as as normal as it can be, I really hope, you know, events can be played and performed there again. Yeah. I feel uh, it must be quite hard for them at the minute. Well, well, the, the arts, arts in general. general. The arts in general, the arts in general yeah. Down, isn't it? Unfortunately. I think the Arts Centre have taken advantage of the time. Um, they want a load of money to do a big makeover to make the Arts Centre more accessible for disabled uh, performers and audience, which is fantastic. Yes, so I think they're doing okay because they've taken advantage of the time. Um, but you... I've lost connection with you. Oh God. This is so annoying. I might have to start all over again. Um, says I've lost connection. Recording again. Um, so yeah, um, we were talking about um, your theatre, your puppet work, weren't we? Weren't we? Yeah. And then the unfamiliars. Yes. And um, the art centre. Yes. It's, in, um, it's not as bad as um, I thought it'd be because it's getting, you know, it's taking its time out and sorting out the building. Yeah. So um, what were you saying about that as well? Just that fingers crossed because they're doing the refurb that they're not losing too much money because they had to close at some point anyway. Yeah. Um, but 
it has been really interesting because I mean the unfamiliars went online didn't it yeah um and did some work for there and um I'm hopefully doing some more online festival stuff so it's been really interesting how the effects that corona's had on the arts I mean obviously it's not been a good effect in the sense that um, lots of small theatres that I like have closed and I don't know if they'll ever reopen their doors. Um, but this access to online theatre has been great. And I'm hoping it's something that will continue after lockdown. Because um, yeah. it just makes theatre so much more accessible for people as well who can't afford to get to theatres or who physically aren't able to get to theatres. Um, I'm hoping it will continue. Yeah. Uh, I hope, um, and with the minories as well, that's a shame. Oh, I'm hoping something will happen good there. I just don't know. I hope they, um, so the council, the art council that are looking after it now, I hope they kind of keep it as an art gallery. Yeah. That'd be really good. Uh, it's a really important space, the Minories. It's a real loss for the students at Colchester Institute as well, I think. Um, so when I was doing my drama degree, we had lots of our lessons in the Minories, um, in the ballroom upstairs, and we used to do rehearsals in the garden, um, and it was such a nice space to, to work in. Um, and just a really important space for smaller artists to have their work um, uh, ex um, displayed as well because obviously First Sight is fantastic but you know its remit doesn't cover local artists in the way that the Minories does so um, fingers crossed it will survive somehow. Yeah definitely I love that place. Um, I was mm. lucky to have my Den in the Lost in Wonderland exhibition last year um, yeah. that Gemma organised. Um, so yeah, I um, yeah, it's been a great, you know, it's been a great space for me to use and share yeah. artwork and my podcast. Like I yeah. do um, podcast live inside my den um, last year um, as part of the exhibition and as part of the like. Um, lost in on wonder theme, and yeah. with a wonderful artist called Elena Rowlands, um, who runs the Magical Women. Yeah, yeah, I know her. She's yeah, and she's um, so she was a friend of Gemma's, along an old friend of Gemma's, and then I met her that night. And, um, yeah, she was a wonderful guest. Um, yeah. Well, and she's been doing great online exhibitions during lockdown too, so... Yeah, she's um, a lovely lady and I'm so glad that we connected with Gemma. Um, but yeah, um, fingers crossed for the arts, like, we need the arts, like, as two artists, you know, it's, uh, it's really important, isn't it? Well, what has everyone done in lockdown apart from watch films, watch theatre done art projects, done crafts with their family and their kids. I mean, it's shown more than ever that people need creative outlets for their own kind of mental well-being. So um, I'm, I'm really glad that there's been a government bailout now 
um, it still won't be enough. And I think, unfortunately, that money will end up going to bigger commercial theatres and galleries who shouldn't really get it, but I think it will. Um, but there's plenty of other things we can kind of do for fundraising for theatres and things um, to try and keep as many going as possible. Yeah. Um, let's talk about First Sight um, yes. now. And um, so you work at First Sight. Yes. Um, what's that experience been like working at First Sight as an art gallery system? I absolutely love it. Yeah. And I cut you off. Sorry, what was the rest of the question? Um, so, yes, yeah, like, um, from, like, your first day to now, would you, like, what have some of your highs and lows been? So, yeah, I um, kept applying for a job at First Sight and never got it. And then um, I finally did at a really kind of, like, ugh, point in my... I was working, a, I just started working a job I really hated and was like, I can't work here. I need to go find something else. And um, I applied again for First Sight and then got an interview. And um, you, I mean, my first experience of First Sight is I turned up on the wrong day for the induction. <laughs> I missed my initial induction, but it was fine. Um, but you will never meet a nicer group of people. And everyone who works there is a character which is what i love as somebody who you know observes people for writing and creating characters and um, being in a building that's so full of characters is amazing whether that's just staff or whether that's visitors as well because we get such a a wide range of people who come through the door I mean, I also did the um, kids' activity stuff in the holidays, which sadly won't be running at the moment. But, I mean, that is my absolute favourite thing about working there as well. Yeah, that's one of my I love, yeah, just, that I'd love to do. Yeah, just having the hordes of kids at the, at the holidays and just getting to draw with them and make things and make up little stories. And it's just so nice. And... I think what I really love about First Sight, and this is when people ask me about the job, they're all be surprised about, is that we're encouraged to give our opinions about the artwork, kind of good or bad. You know, if there's an exhibition that we're not so keen on, we're allowed to discuss that and, and um, you know, why we might not be so keen on this piece of artwork, which I think is really important um, that, we are allowed to have a dialogue with um, visitors about the artwork because I think it would be very easy for a gallery to say, no, you must stand up and say that you like all of this artwork and, you know, it's important because of X, Y, Z. And yes, you do give that information. Even if you don't like it, you're able to say, well, it won this or it did this or but I love that we're allowed to have those conversations. And I mean, I've been working there, it'll be a year in September, although there's been obviously three months where I've not been at work, but there's only been one piece of artwork so far 
that I quite dis strongly dislike. So um, it's not like there's, you know, uh, work all the time that I think is rubbish. Um, but because it's a contemporary art gallery as well, some of the work's quite challenging. Um, and not everyone who comes through the door is going to like it. And it's funny because the building's been there a very long time uh, now. You know, it's 2011 it opened, I think. I remember when uh, it first maybe. opened and I was yeah. in my level two course at Banktree. Yeah. I went on a trip there when it was first. It was quite new at the time when we went on a trip there. I remember, um, yeah, and it was like really exciting to check it, to see check out and um, yeah so yeah I was really excited for it to open I thought it was just what Colchester needed but I still literally about once a week somebody will come in to the gallery to tell me how much they dislike it so why are you um, there yeah why are you there yeah, why? Why, have you, why have you come in um and they won't give the artwork a, a go. They're just upset about the building. I remember, I remember seeing, I remember one, um, one person um, challenging Iris, who worked, one of the girls who worked there. Yeah. Um, the lovely Iris. And um, yeah, and she was like trying to question them and ask why you don't like it or why you think this. And um, it was quite interesting to see her challenge them and um yeah as someone who's just a volunteer at the time and obviously um yeah it was quite interesting but yeah it i guess like um if you don't if you don't like the place why are you there or if you don't like some art some of the artwork that's fair enough you know i don't know i think some people have just got to be in, a, in their bonnet about it and they're never going to give the building a chance yeah but i think it's really important not just for Colchester but for the east as a whole um, I think we struggle in this area particularly because we're quite close to London but not so people go oh well we'll just go to London for things but we're not far enough away from London where the money goes to have their their own kind of art collective so like in Cambridge or Norwich perhaps it's that little bit further away yeah. so it has more of a scene in its own right rather than just relying on London so I think First Sight's so important for that and creating that art scene in the east and I think because I mean it's super important as a community building as well um, because of the amount of groups um, people who get to use the building as well as being an arts venue but artistically I think it's important because it takes so many risks um, and you will see such a, a, a breadth of, of work that is controversial that does push buttons that isn't necessarily aesthetically pleasing um, and people will sort of maybe rise up against but you know sally and Stuart aren't afraid to take risks um and they do take risks and i think that's really important yeah. um that they do i was really proud to be a part of yak 
um, the young yeah. community that Beth Hole runs, and um, to see um, my work exhibited at first sight last year, which was, you know, not sculpture based, um, it was a poster, but obviously I still had to use red. Um, yeah. I was so glad that I could use red still, but in a different way. And um, yeah, it was really cool and it was such a cool experience for me to meet different artists along the way to help us with, you know, making our posters. And um, one of them was um, Mark Titchener. And, yeah. Um, he was a really cool artist and he had work himself in the gallery. Um, but yeah, it was really a cool opportunity and obviously Jade Anderson, who worked with us at the time um, during the project, um, yeah. cool to meet her and work with her and the rest of the YAC members. Um, but yeah, that was that was a highlight of that was a, uh, that's been a highlight of mine definitely. Um, yeah, well, it was a great exhibition. Yeah, and I hope to do. I love the idea that I could um, have you know help YAC and be involved with YAC still, even though I'm getting older. <laughs> um, yeah. I love the idea that I could work with them still and make them have another show and um, yeah I love the idea that my den could even be exhibited at first sight. Yeah. Um, there's, there's the space for it, um, it would be incredible. Um, in contrast with having it in the minerals, what I wonder how it'd be like at first sight, that'd be really interesting. Um, yeah because it's such a bigger space. Instead of your den being a big thing in a small space it would be a small thing in a big space and how that would yeah yeah change the dynamic yeah um but yeah um who knows hopefully maybe fingers crossed um we go on to this question i always ask it's quite interesting what advice would you give to i guess younger guys and girls starting out um yeah after finishing school um like wanting to get into the creative arts um how would you you know what advice would you give them i feel like networking is a big key thing oh it's the worst thing i hate it um yes it's really important i hate it um but it's really important um so but i also think find your network is is more important than just networking so what i mean is like so for instance we, we talked about eleanor and Gemma earlier and um i have found a lot of kinship in um neurodiverse female artists and um i have got a lot of opportunities recently through working with neurodiverse female artists and I think um, finding people who have the same kind of uh, needs as you yeah. means that they're going to be really understanding when you're being a bit flaky or um, you know having difficulty with a situation because they also understand those situations and then you and then you start building work together like I mean the amount of the platform that Eleanor gives other neurodiverse women to work in is phenomenal um so yeah find your network there is no point you know 
I used to go to lots of auditions for theatre things and people would hand out their cards. But I knew that these were people that I never wanted to work with and they didn't work in the areas of theatre that I wanted to work in. So I wasn't going to put a lot of emotional labour into connecting with them. But when I'd find somebody who worked in clowning or physical theatre or puppetry or those other areas that I was interested in, then you do make those connections. So yeah, find your network would be my first one. And secondly, it's just like, this is, this is really important for me, is just don't be afraid to do things. Um, I have helped, I've been my biggest kind of, or I've been my worst enemy in my artistic process. I've held me back more than anyone else has um, because I've been worried that what if someone doesn't like it? What if it's not perfect? What if it's, you know, X, Y, Z? And um, my fear of work being rejected just stopped me making any work. And then um, doing my master's at Essex Uni, um, I did the MA Theatre Practice, which I highly recommend to anyone uh, with a theatrical lean who's looking at a master's degree um, just kind of was a revolution in myself because because of some issues in the course I was kind of forced into solo work and having to write everything myself and and direct myself and perform where I would maybe write something and hide behind that or I would perform someone else's words and be, well, if people don't like it, it's their writing, it's not me. Um, but having to do it all myself and getting a good reception for it has been amazing. And now I just don't care. Like, I'm going to make the work I want to make and I don't care if people don't really like it. I'm not really making it for them. I'm making it for me. Um and that's taken a long, I mean, I'm 36 and this is a revelation I've only had in the last like, you know, 18 months, two years. Um, so it's taken me a long time to get to that point. But um, I think that's what I'd say to anyone who was 18, 19. Yeah. But just, just um, do what you believe in. Follow your gut. Even if people are telling you, that that's not the way to go at least try it don't don't go oh well somebody told me that's not a good idea so i'll never do it try it prove them wrong um and i think that's what i would say to anyone who is just going to university and also don't do something until you're ready like if you if you're coming out of your a levels and you're not ready to go to university yet don't because you're not going to get the best out of the course. Go off and do a year foundation in something else. Go off and travel for a year. Go off and, you know, work for a year or two. Find some inspiration for your artistic practice and then go to university and you'll be better for it. That's what I think as well, based on my own experiences. Yeah. Um... From my experience doing foundation, I'd definitely say if you 
if you're thinking about going for a degree in art, um, do the foundation first. It kind of prepares you a little bit for the degree. Um, yeah. And yeah, you get to try out all these different kind of pr um, types of art, like sculpture, 3D, uh, a bit of textiles, a bit of fashion, and then you can yeah. choose which one you want to ultimately work. Um, after the rotation week that you get on foundation um, yeah. and you know you meet some really cool people like I've met some of my best friends there and then I met more friends on my degree um, and for me it wasn't about going away going to London or wherever it was about for me I just wanted to stay in culture stuff so I just yeah. did culture stuff so yeah even though friends might be going away from Essex you just want to stay in an Essex that's fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, you need to be somewhere that you feel inspired by. Yeah. And somewhere that you feel comfortable because if I you constantly feel alien in your situation, you won't work. I was I was comfortable because I could get the bus on my own and I felt like I'm okay here. And I just yeah, I felt right in culture Um Yeah, I think that's yeah. You have to do what's best for you, I think, ultimately. Yeah. I do miss culture still thinking about it. Like I've not been since so the last time I was there was for my job interview at first sight. Yeah. And that was like mid March. That was like yeah. the second week in March. Um so yeah, um hopefully I get to, hopefully I can go back to Yeah, well I'm looking forward to getting back to work and then um I can't wait to get back to work. Um yeah, and then hopefully you'll be <laughs> Yeah. Well, hopefully you'll be able to start sooner rather than later. And um, I'm so nervous though for it. I'm just worried I'm not going to be very good or there's going to be. Oh, you'll be. I'm not going to be, be great at it. Right. But you're you've been doing the job already as a volunteer, so I it can't. won't be any different. You'll just be getting paid for it. Yeah. You'll be great at it. Hopefully, like so the idea of being on front of house, like when you've got visitors and you've got that really yeah. scares me. That's like the bit that. I'm probably the most terrified of these. I'll be fine. Front of house is fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, hopefully I'll be good. Um, but yeah, it'll be exciting. Because um, I've never had a paid job before. Um, at the age no. of 25. <laughs> 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 well, it's a good place to start, isn't it? Yeah. It's, um, it's really cool that it's a creative job as well. That's what I've always really wanted. Um, my final question is yes. um, what's one creative material um, that you couldn't live without and why if you had to choose oh uh, um, I think it would be something wool wool based fairy based um, because in my um, I craft a lot I use wool for making puppets yeah. and then um, in lockdown I've started a new like needle felty craft thing which I'm, hope I'm hoping may actually make me some money because you're never going to make any money in Bhutto um, but so I think this is an important thing as well about art and craft and things um, I use art and craft as a sort of therapy as such. Um, it's 
really good for me when I'm stressed. Um, I took up knitting, or I took up crochet, crochet or knitting, crochet first. I took up crochet when my dad was very poorly and it was a distraction for me. And I've taken up this needle felt business during lockdown and um, I unfortunately lost a friend in lockdown and I needed something to distract me from that. Um, and I think all my biggest life distractions come back to wool. When I'm stressed, I knit or I crochet or I make things. Um, and I'm interested in exploring what I can do artistically with it now as I'm, I'm experimenting more and more. And um, I'm looking to make, bring it more into my puppetry as well, because I make um, Muppet style puppets, you know, handheld. Um, but I want to start making more tabletop puppets, which are the nice ones that you'd get on, you know, shows where you have one person manipulating a puppet. Yeah. And um, I want to start making them out of felt and wool and seeing what kind of magical creatures. So yes, if, if you took away all my other craft materials, if you took away my paint and paper and everything else and just left me with some wool and fabric, then I would be um, content forever. I could still make things. That's um, what I'd have. Yeah, you talk about knitting. My mum's a knitter. Um, yeah, your mum makes great stuff. Yeah, um, but recently she's had sore fingers, which meant she's mm. having to knit less paint but she's still painting so she yeah um actually she got in the national portrait gallery but obviously we couldn't have a big do oh, in, the in london due to um not the coronavirus so um, in the summer exhibition um it was the nash it was the bp oh wow the Brilliant. Portrait gallery yeah uh, she got in again um so you can see it online but we couldn't go down to london and see it because like in diverse people and people with mental health issues are drawn to the arts because it does give somewhere for that creative brain to um, explore ideas and work through issues in a really safe way um, I think it's fantastic but again it's one of those things that it's sad that theatre and art are being stripped from the curriculum in schools um, because you are taking away that space for children yeah. um, and teenagers and and I'm hoping that I doubt it because the government never see past the end of their nose but um, I'm hoping that some of the reliance that we've had on art and theatre over lockdown 
will be noticed and reflected back into future programming um, and, and the curriculum again and understanding just how important it is for kids to have an outlet to, to do this stuff because um, it's very stressful now like I thought it was stressful when I was a teenager but the kids are just doing exams constantly and they don't have any time to rest and there's so much pressure on them to perform 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 yeah. um, and I think it's I think it's not a good thing for kids to be under that much pressure yeah uh, definitely um the arts is just very much needed um but it's good that i can yeah i feel very lucky that um i've got this podcast and i'm able to talk to you and other yeah and even if we can't meet up in person we're lucky we've got this app zoom and um, yeah and hopefully in the future i'll be able to do more in person because that's what i love obviously i love getting that kind of one-to-one -one conversation with that person in yeah well, that's because it is nice to talk on zoom but it's still kind of impersonal yeah. um and i have to resist the urge to just be like looking around the room all the time i forget i'm talking to a person yeah. and i'm having to try and maintain looking at the yeah. screen and not just sort of going off somewhere yeah. um yeah it's been very hard I, the first few zoom meetings like oh, chats I had with I absolutely hated um, but I've been doing lots of dance lessons over lockdown on zoom and I think that's kind of eased me into it a bit um, and it's better now but I still I still would like to see some real people yeah and I'm looking you forward to that you, um, you would say you're typical and you're typical diverse um, yeah how is um, so what in what sense do you um, say you are um, would you say you kind of fit into that just like out of curiosity yeah so well in, in a few kind of ways um, I so when I was growing up uh, I had lots of issues at school Everyone thought I was maybe dyslexic or some other issue, but I could never get testing. Um, and um, I always kind of knew I wasn't, I didn't quite think like other people. I wasn't quite like, you know, whatever. Um, and then, so I have a condition called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. And um, as part of that and other things that go with it I have lots of kind of sensory processing issues and auditory processing issues and um the memory of a goldfish and um uh, you know I have executive functioning issues I have trouble getting started on projects and doing things and um I've spent more and more time around neurodivergent women in the last two years and um who feel like my tribe um and so i am actually trying to see a specialist at the moment um for a possible autism diagnosis really? um yeah so i've had maybe eight or nine autistic women now tell me that they think i'm autistic <laughs> like okay and um 
the more I've read into um, the lives of autistic women, the, the more I see my own story reflected back at me. Um, so, and yeah, so I just get on really. I think I just, I just see that in myself. Yeah. And so I think I would already be, I would already class myself as neurodivergent because of the issues I have with sensory processing and auditory processing yeah. and um, executive function. Um, but also autism um, is really, really common in people with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome too. So um, if you've got one, you've often got the other. So which kind of backs up my idea that that might be an issue for me. But when I learned about um, female masking in autism and um, um, kind of the special interest kind of aspects, um, I was like, ah, this, this, this is very much my experience. So um, whether I can, I know it's very hard as an adult getting diagnosis, but I know quite a few women recently who have, um, and they're giving me some advice. Um, but yeah, so I'm kind of going down that path. So I don't identify as being neurotypical. I I know my brain definitely doesn't work in the in the normally <laughs> or whatever normal is. Um, but whether it's just um, my issues, which I don't really think are issues, because I think actually the quirks of my brain are what make me interesting and I actually think they're what make me creative as well and give me the drive to um you know that give me the kind of narrow focus when I'm researching something or you know into something so I don't really consider them issues apart from when I'm having a meltdown because it's too loud somewhere um or too bright or just being um yeah but um I just, I don't think diagnosis is necessarily that important, um, but it would be quite nice to have like an answer to some issues that I think I have. Um, but we'll see. Everything's cancelled at the moment because of lockdown anyway. So yeah, I think it would be a next year job before I start pursuing it again. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for going in detail um, into that for me. Um, I was just curious. Um, yeah. And hopefully I'll see you again at First Bite soon. Um, yes, yes, I, I hope so. Place. I miss Colchester. I miss just the vibe of Colchester. Um, well, I've only been into Colchester twice since March. So it's, um, yeah, it's weird. It's weird miss, in there. Yeah, I miss talking to M&S and paper chase. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, because um, <laughs> I love those shops. Um, but yeah, um, thank you so much for being on my podcast. And You're very welcome. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been really cool um, and really interesting. And um, hopefully see you in person because um, we've always had good chats ever since I met you. We, we've always had good chats whilst I've been volunteering at first night. So yeah, um, I knew this would be a really a great chat anyway. Um, so um, yeah, thanks again, uh, Rebecca. Um, Yes, I'm going to finish recording this now. Okay, it's been um, lovely talking to you. Bye, thank you. See you soon. Bye.
Bye. Ending now.